Well, this morning we're in Genesis 26. If you're using one of the Bibles in the rack in front of you, it's page 21. This will not surprise you, but over time, it is possible, in fact, it is a distinct danger that you and I would experience times of spiritual dryness, that we would go through a spiritual drought. Do you know what I mean? That there would be times in our lives when we would just lose the joy of the Lord, that we would lose the passion and the excitement uh, for reading God's word, for praying, for serving. There can just be times in our lives where, where it just seems like God is a million miles away. And this can be true for young believers, uh, believers in middle school and high school. Sometimes it seems spiritually that, that those young believers are on a roller coaster. And there are times when they're walking so close with the Lord. And then there are times when it seems that they're running in the other direction. And so it can happen with very young believers. It can happen with college students. Uh, where, where they can know the joy and excitement of walking with God, of, of reading their Bible, of having a, a prayer life that, that just pulls them in. And then, and then having times where there's so many distractions, whether it's a schedule or it's sin or, or it's just rebellion or loneliness, that pulls them away and they go through a, a dry season. It can happen with young families. I think especially with young families, with all the busyness that goes with having little children and, and just starting out in, in career and life as an adult. And, and there can be times of, of spiritual revival and times of spiritual drought. But this isn't just something that affects people who have walked with the Lord just a few years, but it's something that can affect those of us who have walked with the Lord for many, many years. Because no matter how long you have walked with the Lord, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how deep you have dived, uh, there can be times of real spiritual drought. Uh, this could be true of Sunday school teachers. It can be true of, of deacons. It can be true of ministers and of pastors. And it can be true of churches. It seems like even the very best churches have, have times when, when they are extraordinarily faithful uh, when they are serving the Lord, when they're seeing a harvest of souls uh, coming to know Christ and following the Lord in believers' baptism. And then some of those same churches will go through times when, when there's just a, a barrenness, when there's a spiritual drought. Uh, we had in our weekly staff meeting, we have a, a meeting on Tuesday of all the ministers here in our church, and we come together for an hour or so. And uh, this, this week we did something that we don't ordinarily do. We, we brought in an outsider. Uh, we brought in uh, Sarah uh, English, one of our college students. And I don't know if Sarah's in this service or the next. There she is right there. She doesn't know I'm going to talk about her. But, uh, so Caleb, uh, our college minister, said uh, we really need to bring Sarah in and let her share about some of the things that, that are happening in, in, in her life and in the at the university, some spiritual things. And so she came in, and let me just tell you, it was a very difficult thing to hear. Now, not that it wasn't good news. She shared very good news. She shared about how the Lord's working in the lives of, and she talked about some specific instances and in the lives of some of her friends and some of her acquaintances and, and some people who have walked with the Lord but have a, 
a, uh, a revival really in their lives. And then some people who do not know the Lord or maybe have not walked with the Lord and, and how there seems to be some, some spiritual things kindling in their lives and how the Holy Spirit is doing these things. And, and she was very excited about it. But the reason it was difficult to hear is this. As I listened to Sarah talk, I knew one thing, that she had a joy she was overwhelmed with the joy that comes from sharing the gospel with your friends and wanting to have a spiritual impact in the lives of your friends and to see your friends grow spiritually and experience revival and renewal. She had a joy that I knew that in many ways that I have lost over the weeks or the months or the years and, and I, I don't know exactly why God had you there, Sarah, and, and probably different reasons for every minister who was there. But for me, it was just a clarion call from the Lord that, that there is joy in seeing people, friends and neighbors and family members coming to know the Lord. There is a joy and a passion there. And I think over time it's just gotten dry in my life. That, that in some ways, at least in that area of life, I think there's some spiritual dryness or drought. Listen, every one of us can go through times when, when we just lose the joy, some of the joy of serving and worshiping and praying and studying our Bibles and sharing our faith. I think there are times when we need to be reminded that we need from heaven the water of revival. It's interesting that the Bible over and over uses this symbol of water uh, to stand for revival, to stand for that joy and that excitement uh, that, that we can all, if we're believers, remember times in our lives that, that we've had overflowing. And, and the Bible uses that picture of water to remind us of that. I'll give you a couple of examples. David, the psalmist, said this in Psalm 63. God, you are my God, and I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you, and my body faints for you in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. David, a man after God's own heart, said, I long for the water of revival. David said, I'm going through a spiritual drought, Lord, and I need you to pour the water of revival in my life. Uh, Jesus said this, John 7, 38, the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Jesus said, if you wanted to hear a good description of what it means to be walking with the Lord so close that we know the joy of the Lord, it is like there is just streams of water, spiritual water flowing through your lives, flowing through your life. And so the question is, how do we find the water of, of revival. How do, we, how do we find that joy again? How do we find that, that deep, abiding, passionate walk uh, with Christ? Well, I, I want to show you from a passage in Genesis, Genesis chapter 26. And this will seem like an obscure story in Scripture, and, and, and it is a true story. It is a historical event. But, but I believe it is, it is an account that points to, an, to a greater truth that will answer the question, how can we have this spiritual revival, this spiritual water uh, in our lives? And so Genesis chapter 26, uh, we're talking a long time ago. You go back to Genesis 26. In fact, this is probably about 1750 BC. 
So a very long time ago, uh, it's about Isaac. Isaac is the, the son of, uh, of Abraham and, uh, and, and, and Rebekah. Uh, not, not Rebecca. I'm losing my mind. Abraham and Sarah. Rebecca was Isaac's wife. And at this point, uh, Isaac is married. His father has died. Isaac has had his two sons, Jacob and Esau. And Isaac really begins to flourish just materially. Uh, they had gone through a time of drought, physical drought. Uh, but now Isaac is, um, is it, the, the drought is gone. And so his, uh, his wealth is multiplying. He's a, he's a farmer and a herdsman. And so we pick up with the story in Genesis 26, verse 12. It says, Isaac sowed seed in that land, and that year he reaped a hundred times what was sown. The Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and kept getting richer until he was very wealthy. He had flocks of sheep, herds of cattle, and many slaves, and the Philistines were envious of him. The Philistines being sort of the enemy in the land. Uh, the Philistines stopped up all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of his father Abraham, filling them with dirt. And Abimelech said to Isaac, leave us for you are much too powerful for us. So here's the situation. He, his family has begun to grow and there's a problem. There's not enough water. And, and, and there's just a limit, especially in this day and, 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 and in the region they were in, there was just a limit to how much you could flourish if you didn't have water, if you didn't have sufficient water. And so their problem was they, they needed water. What are they going to do? Well, look at verse 17. So Isaac left there, camped in the Gerar Valley and lived there. And Isaac, this is the first thing he does, verse 18, reopened the wells that had been dug in the days of his father Abraham and that the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. He gave them the same names his father had given them. So the first thing he did is he reopened some of the old wells that his father had used a generation before. And so these old wells, they, they gave water before. He believes they'll give water again. But he goes on, verse 19, then Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of spring water there. So now they're digging a new well. They opened the old ones, now a new well, verse 20. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, the water is ours. And so he named the well Essek because they argued with him. Essek is just the Hebrew word that means to argue, uh, an argument. Uh, verse 21, then they dug another well. This is a second new well. And they quarreled over that one also, and so he named it Sitna, which means dispute in Hebrew. Verse 22, he moved from there and dug another, and they did not quarrel over it, so he named it Rehoboth, which means plenty of room. And he said, for now the Lord has made space for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. So his wells were stopped up. And so he goes on this campaign to find water. And from that, I think we can learn how we too can find water, not physical water, but the spiritual water of revival. But before we get into the details of that, let me ask and answer a question uh, that, that I think is important. It's a prerequisite kind of question. How did these wells get stopped up to start with? Uh, why is it that they didn't have water in this same region? A generation before, there was plenty of water. So why, how did these wells get stopped up? Now, here's why that's important. 
I want us not just to find the water of revival. I want us to recognize how did our wells get stopped up to start with? Why is it that we have lost, if we have, some of the spiritual fervor, some of the passion that we can remember having some time ago? Well, I think there are possibly four reasons that these wells were stopped up here in Genesis 26. Uh, The first possible reason is neglect. Maybe the reason the wells were stopped up uh, is because over a number of years, they just neglected to to maintain them. Wells uh, in those days were were hand dug and you had to uh, constantly mend them to to attend to them because rocks would fall down and parts of of the walls would be soft and they would cave in. And, And so they required work. And perhaps the reason why the wells are no longer available is because they were neglected. And you know one of the ways that we sometimes have spiritual dryness in our lives is simply because of neglect. We neglect our prayer life. We neglect being in church every week. We neglect reading our Bibles. We, we, we neglect some of the basic spiritual things that are important for us to do. And over time, that neglect just dries us out. You know, there are two ways to destroy an automobile. You know what they are? Two ways. One is you could run it into a uh, power pole at about 60 miles an hour, okay? Now that would destroy your automobile just in a flash, right? But there's another way. You could destroy your automobile by just refusing to change the oil ever, okay? Now, that would destroy your automobile. Now, it would be gradual. You wouldn't recognize it. You wouldn't be able to see it going down the road. It would take a long time, but it would also destroy your automobile. So you can destroy your automobile quickly, or you can destroy it just out of neglect. And, you know, I know that some people will injure their Christian lives because they just do something crazy stupid. You know, some people will do that and some people will sin and it'll have such a splash and it'll impact their spiritual walk forever and ever and ever. But more likely, listen, church, you and I, if we're going to be spiritually uh, powerless, if we're going to lose the joy, it's not going to be because we go do something stunning. It's going to be because we simply neglect our spiritual walk over a long period of time. And little by little by little, we lose the joy, we lose the passion. So neglect, neglect is one way. Another way that these wells could have, could have gotten stopped up is sin. It does say something about the Philistines stopping the wells up. Uh, maybe it was just sin. Maybe they, maybe they did something they wanted to be uh, damaging to, the, uh, to Abraham's family through Isaac. Maybe it was just sin. You know, sin can easily stop up our wells. Both our sin and the sins of people around us. If we're not careful, it'll it'll stop up our wells. We'll respond to that by walking away from the Lord. It will will eliminate our joy and our our peace. Sometimes I'll sit down with somebody who's requested counseling and and they'll say, Pastor, I I just, I, I used to be so in love with the Lord Walking with the Lord, I knew the joy of the Lord, but now intellectually, I've just moved past that. And to be honest, Pastor, I hate to say this, but I'm not even sure I believe in, in the Lord anymore. I, I've just, I'm just not sure. I've, I've, it's just lost any meaning to me at all. 
Why do you think that is? And they'll, they'll want to discuss their intellectual progression. And, and so I'll say, well, you know, I'd be glad to discuss that with you if, you if you want to, but let's have a different starting place. Tell me about the sin that's in your life. I mean, is there some sin that, that, that has been a uh, persistent sin? Is there something behind the scenes that you've embraced that you know you shouldn't embrace? And they'll say, well, Pastor, no, that's not what I came here to talk about. I want to talk about how my thinking has changed over time. And I say, well, we'll talk about that, but first let's start with sin. And you know, when you get right down to it, they will confess then to some sin. And what we don't realize is that when we, when we harbor some sin in our lives, that it is that sin that changes our hearts and our minds and brings this spiritual drought into our lives. Nobody ever thinks their way out of a walk with God, but we certainly can sin our way out of knowing God's joy and God's peace. Sin could stop up our wells. Another one is change. Uh, there was certainly a big change here. Uh, Isaac uh, is now the, the leader before it was Abraham. We, we could talk more about that. When we go through times of change, whether it's your job or your schedule, there's danger that you could lose your spiritual joy. And, and then perhaps it, it could have just been conflict. It, it, that seems most likely here that the Philistines just didn't like uh, Isaac and his, his family, his, uh, his people. And, and so just out of conflict, conflict will... Uh, dry our lives up spiritually. We can't live in constant conflict and maintain the joy of the Lord. And so, well, we, we come to this, um, we, we come to the end of verse 16. There is no water, there's spiritual drought or there's physical drought and it reminds us of our spiritual drought. And so we get to the question of the hour, what did he do to find water and what do we need to do? How can we get water revival? in our lives. Let me share with you three things. Number one, Isaac redug some old wells. We must redig some old wells. You see it right there in verse 18. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. And so Isaac said, these old wells, they brought water for my father and his people, so I believe they'll bring water for me. And he redug the old wells. You know, sometimes in life, we just need, listen church, we just need to go back and focus on those things that we used to focus on. We just need to go back and redig some of those old wells that brought spiritual life and vigor, and we need to be committed to those things again. And, and we'll be amazed what brought revival before, what brought joy and peace before, will bring the same thing again. And when I, when I talk to uh, a married person who, who comes and says, Pastor, I, you know, I've been married for 20 years, but I'm just not in love with my husband anymore. I'm just not in love with my wife anymore. I've just lost the spark. I just don't have it in me anymore. What, what should I do? Well, I'll tell you what you should do. You should go back, think of the things you used to do. Think of the ways you used to show affection. Think of the ways you used to say I love you. Think of the the sacrifices you used to make. Think of the kindness that you used to show. And if you'll go back and do those old things, you will find that the old spark will return. Sometimes we make things way more complicated than they should be. To get back the spiritual joy that we once had, we just need to look at the things we did back then that we have stopped doing, and we need to redig some old wells. Now, Jesus says this, 
Uh, Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is uh, writing to uh, the church at Ephesus. And he says in verse 4, and I, I think I have this on the screen for you, I'm not, I don't remember. But he says in verse 4, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. Now just look at that verse. He says that you've abandoned the love. This means that that church, uh, one of the most prominent churches in, in, the, in, in this period, uh, one of the most important churches, one of the greatest churches in the Bible, but Jesus says you're in a spiritual drought You've lost your first love. You've lost the excitement and the joy. So here's what they should do. Show us the next verse. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. He says, redig some old well. Go back to some things you used to do in your walk with, with the Lord and do those things again. So let me share with you some old wells that you and I need to focus on re-digging, uh, especially in 2019. The whole focus of this message uh, is, is, is looking to the future. If the Lord tarries 2019, I want that to be your best year ever spiritually. I want it for our church to be. I am praying that it will be our best year ever. And so here are some things, some wells, some old wells we need to re-dig now and 2019. First of all, Bible reading. I think sometimes we think that we have heard enough sermons and been to enough Sunday school classes and done enough devotions that we don't have to get up in the morning and open our Bibles and spend time in God's Word. But friends, listen, that's not true. Reading your Bible, as simple as that is, is one of the best wells you can dig or redig. There is so much water in that well. There is so much joy. You can't know. I don't believe you can know the peace of the Lord without being invested in God's word. We need to read the Bible. And some of us, we need to make a new commitment to go back and do what we, what we once did. I, I had a, a friend in a church that I, I served a bunch of years ago. His name was Billy Strickland. Uh, I, I'm not very good with names. I'm surprised I can remember that name, but I, I can remember a story that he, that he told me. Uh, Billy was uh, the cable guy. Uh, he, was the, he was a cable television repair person, therefore uh, the local cable company. And so that was his job every day. You know, if you had problems with your cable television, you'd call the cable company and they'd send this guy, Billy Strickland. He'd come out to your house, fix your cable. Uh, but he would tell this story, and I heard him tell it more than once, of just how frustrating it is to be the only cable guy living in the neighborhood. And he said, so people's cable would go out like at 7 o'clock on Friday night, and they would call the cable company, and you know, they'd just get a recording. They'd say, call back on Monday morning, and people would be furious. And so what would they do? They would call Billy. They'd get his number. You know, in those days, you could look him up in the phone book, and, and they'd get his number, and they would call him and say, Billy, my cable's out. Can you come fix it? And Billy would say, no, I'm not working this weekend. Call back on Monday. They'd say, Billy, you don't understand. When I say my cable is out, I mean we can't watch television. You've got to come out and fix my cable. He says that sometimes he would get a call at 2 o'clock in the morning. He would answer thinking it was some emergency, and somebody would say, Billy, my cable is out. 
could you come and fix my cable? He'd say, I'm sleeping. Well, what am I supposed to do, Billy? We can't watch television. It's two o'clock in the morning. He said it was so frustrating that people knew he was the cable guy. And so when he would tell that story, I, I had this longing, I had this wish that this would happen once in my life. Just once, I don't want it to happen twice, but just once. I would like for somebody to call me at two o'clock in the morning and say, Pastor, you've got to help me. My Bible is at the church and I can't go one more minute without my Bible. You need to meet me down there. And I'd say, listen, I'm asleep. I'm not going to the church. And they would say, oh, Pastor, please, we can't make it to the morning if we don't have that Bible. Please meet us down there. I want that to happen one time. Like I said, not... Not twice, one time, because then it would be a great sermon illustration. But see, we are, we are more attached to cable than we are to the Bible. We need to redig some old wells, and one of those is Bible reading. I want to help you do that. We want to help you do that in 2019. So let me give you a little bit of an advertisement. Open up your worship bulletin. You'll notice two inserts that I want to talk to you about. Uh, th- this one says 100 days through the Bible. It's a challenge. We're asking you to join us in reading through the Bible in the first 20 weeks of 2019. Uh, We're gonna start actually on Monday, December the 31st, uh, and we will read five days a week for 20 weeks. Now, we will not read every chapter in the Bible. That would be a lot to read in, in, in 100 days. But we're going to get the gist of it. And we have a plan that will get you from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21 in 100 days. And what we want you to do is to commit to reading with us every day, five days a week for 20 weeks. Let us redig an old well. Let us recreate a habit of being daily in God's word. I want you to do this with us. Now we're gonna do some things to help you. Uh, We want you to sign up because we wanna know that you're doing it. We can get some information to you. Uh, Every week for 20 weeks, if the Lord allows, I'm gonna preach from the passages you read the previous week. So uh, beginning Monday, December 31st, You'll read five passages over the next five days. That next Sunday, the first Sunday in January, I will preach from the passages you just read. And then also in that worship service, I'll sort of preview the passages you're going to read the next week. And so we're all going to do this together. I want you to do it. I want your youth to do it. I want your children to do it. Uh, David is working on how the youth ministry will integrate with this. Uh, Melanie is working on how the children's ministry will integrate with this. Melanie has come up with an alternative Bible reading plan so that if this is too much for your children to read, they can read something that's a little less and they can still stay up with the family and with the church. Our college ministry is committed to this. We want everybody in the church to do this. Now, not only do we want you to do it, but we want your family and your friends to do it. Uh, We want you to get them a copy of this. We're gonna have a bunch of these available over the next few weeks. It is on a webpage, firstbaptistnac.org, fbcnac.org, slash 100 days, the numeral 100 days, and that'll get you there, and, and all of this information is there. We want you to invite them to sign up. 
What if, what if every one of us reached out to our family members, even if they didn't live in Nacogdoches, and said, hey, would you do something with me in 2019? Would you just commit that me and you would read every day for 20 weeks, five days a week, let us read the Bible together in 100 days? Everybody's looking for a New Year's resolution this time of year. If you reached out to your family in Albuquerque and you asked them to do that, I promise you they would do it, or most likely they would do it. My goal, our goal, is that we would have 500 people right here in the church sign up and complete this challenge of 100 days, and that we would have 500 people outside our church who would also sign up and complete this challenge in the next 100 days. We need to redig an old well, and I think the most important of those is reading the Bible every day. So there are going to be a lot of things. We'll send you an email to remind you of what your reading is. Uh, we will uh, have a Facebook page for those who are on Facebook where we'll have some discussion that you can participate with if you choose to uh, with what we have read that day. So if you have a question, you can put it on there and somebody will answer it or they'll share uh, something that they have learned. Uh, I'm going to put out a post every week uh, that I'm calling a scarlet thread through the Bible. Uh, W.A. Criswell several years ago preached a sermon that lasted about 10 hours. So you just remember that next time you complain about my long sermons. I've never preached a 10-hour sermon. But he preached a sermon and he went through the whole Bible from beginning to end and he showed in every section of the Bible how that section pointed toward Jesus, the scarlet thread through the Bible. And so I'm going to post something every week and show you how that week's assigned reading points toward Jesus. Uh, and we're going to celebrate that. So there will be a lot of pieces to this. You won't find out about all of them until they happen. But would you commit to redigging this old well and reading the Bible with us uh, over the first 100 days or 20 weeks of 2019? Now, there is a commitment card, and you can put your name and information on here. Uh, we want everybody to do their own, but if you don't have, if, if you just have one bulletin and there's six of you, just indicate that on the back. You can just write, hey, there's... You know, little Freddie's going to do it, and Sally's going to do it, and my husband's going to do it. And so, because we want to know all the different individuals, at the end of the service, there are going to be men with baskets at all the doors, and you can just drop this in. You can also sign up online, fbcnac.org slash 100 days. You can sign up there. Uh, you, can, um, you can pass that webpage on to your friends and family. Uh, that'll be on Facebook. We'll have a lot of different ways that you'll hear about in the next few days to get the word out. But sign up, sign up soon. Let's commit to redigging this old well. Uh, another old well, and I'm going to go through these quickly. We, maybe you need to redig the old well of faithful attendance. Faithful attendance. Too many people, too many Christians come to church occasionally. Uh, too many people come half the time or a quarter of the time. And, and you know, what I hear from people, and this frustrates me, I hear people say, well, I'm going to go to church when I get something out of it. And, I, and, I, and I'm interested in what I can learn from the message. And I'm interested in, in how I can be inspired or educated or motivated. Uh, well, all those things are good. I hope when you come, you are inspired, educated, motivated, any other kind of aided you can think. I hope it all happens on Sundays. But that's not why we come to church, right? We come to church to honor God. If we just came and sat here in the dark for an hour every Sunday morning, it would still be a worthwhile thing to do because God deserves for us to come. I watched some of the state funeral this last week. George 
uh, H.W. Bush, amazing, amazing funeral, amazing man. Uh, but one of, the, one of the things that they talked about in the coverage over on the state funeral is all the people who had lined up, and some of them had stood in line for five or six hours to walk by the casket when it was in the rotunda, uh, rotunda of, the, um, of the state house, uh, of the capitol, I'm sorry. And, and, you know, why did people do that? Why did, why did people sacrifice so much just to walk by that casket? Was, did they think he was going to rise up and say something inspirational? Uh, did they think that they were going to get some, some bonus points for doing that? So I know, why did they do that? Because they believed that the man who lied in that casket, that he deserved that honor. That's why they did it. Not for them. They did it because there was an honorable man. Why do we come to church? Not for what we get out of it, but because God is deserving of our honor. Redig the old well of, of faithful church attendance. Redig the old well of serving, uh, the old well of missions. I'm running out of time. Let's just go through these quickly. The old well of, of generous giving, generous giving. Uh, you know, it's interesting that if, if you stop giving faithfully and generously, you know what will happen to your spiritual fervor? It'll dry up. I've heard people say, Pastor, I just, my, my, my fervor, my excitement, my joy is just, just dried up. And so we'll try to diagnose it and we'll go through things and, and, and oftentimes we'll land on this. Well, how's your giving? Well, you know, things have been tough and I haven't been giving faithfully. Well, listen, here's what Jesus said. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And when you give, it changes the spiritual temperature of your heart. Give, be faithful in giving. So we need to redig some old wells. But number two, we need to dig some new wells. That's what Isaac did, right? He redug the old wells and then he dug some new wells. What are some new things, 2019, some new things you need to begin to do or to do in a, in a different way in order to, to experience the, re, the water of revival? I, I've been thinking about some uh, in my life. I, I've thought about um, uh, some more regular fasting in my life. I, I think that may be something God is calling me to be committed to in 2019. I, I've thought about some, uh, some Bible memorization that, uh, uh, that, that I could do in 2019. God may be calling. I, I'm thinking through. I want to challenge you to think through. What are some new things you could do? Some new wells that you could dig, some biblical opportunities that we have uh, to find spiritual water in 2019. But I want to share with you something that as a church, I think we need to do. Uh, I want to share with you something that I think as a, as a, as a church would, would be key, a, a new well that would be key for us to dig, uh, to experience uh, all, that, all that we could experience in 2019. So to explain this, let me go back to the beginning of 2018. So when we started this year, uh, our focus, our biggest focus, or one of our big focuses this year, uh, was our We Love Our Church campaign. And if you've been around for the whole year, you know exactly what that is. We, uh, we really put a lot of work into that. We talked about it a great deal. And we said that we needed to do some serious renovation uh, with our church campus. And we challenged you. 
Uh, be a part of this. Let's love our church. Our church has been walking faithfully and honoring the Lord faithfully for generations. Now let us honor the church that has so faithfully honored the Lord all this time. And you did. Uh, we started by setting some goals, and we set them with fear and trembling. Uh, our, we set three goals. The, the low end was $500,000. It's hard for people to get excited about renovating. It's a little easier to get excited about building something, though that's, that, that can be a difficult challenge as well. But to get people to get excited about renovating uh, facilities that already exist, it's, it's hard to do. And so we set one goal at $500,000. That's still a lot of money, a half million dollars. And then we set our top goal at a million dollars. You always set a goal when you do a campaign like this. You want to set one goal that's just so far out there that it's you know, sort of a dream goal. And if there's any way, I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful? And so we set that out there and we talked about it for about six weeks. Uh, we talked about it here from the pulpit for about three weeks. And then you pledged. And you didn't pledge the 500000 or the $1 million. You pledged $1,550,000. Do you remember that day when we made that announcement, how exciting it was just to, just to see how, how much we loved our church, right? It was a testimony to how much you love this church, not just the building, but it, it did include the building, but you love the ministry, the heritage uh, of the church, the, the faithfulness over years, and you love the future that we want to have in this community. Uh, but then some people said, you know, they're always, uh, there's just some people that like to be negative. Have you noticed that? There's just some people, they're just not happy if they're not negative. Well, they're not happy even when they are, but, uh, but, but they strive for, for negativity. And so, and so some people said, well, pastor, you know, it's one thing for people to pledge it. It's another thing for them to give it. Well, let me tell you this morning, if you look to the back of your bulletin, you'll see uh, that while we're about eight months, nine months into this, Already, people have given $1,328,000 uh, since the bulletin was finalized a couple of days ago. I can tell you that another $25,000 in cash has come in since then. The real total is uh, $1,352,692.85. I can also tell you that uh, there are reasons to anticipate that before the 31st, we will exceed our goal. Just some conversations. We'll, we won't celebrate it till it happens, right? And so we're going to end the year exceeding the goal with still three months left to give. We're going to blow this thing out of the water. Now, the point of all of that is to say, we love our church. That's our focus for 18. But here's the focus for 2019. Not we love our church, as important as that is and as necessary as that has been. But in 2019, we love our community. So I, I want us in 2019 to so focus on loving uh, the community where we live, to, to, to love on Nacogdoches, Texas, that this whole community will know whether they go to our church or go to another church or have never been to a church in their lives, that they will know we love them. I want us to show the love of Christ like we have never shown the love of Christ. I want the people on your street to know that we love them in Christ. I want the people in the organizations in our community to know that we love them in Christ. I want us to spend the whole year and have the same 
same fervor, the same commitment to this that we had to We Love Our Church. And I want us to do something extraordinary for the Lord and show this community we love you. We've got a whole list of things that we're going to do. I don't have time to unpack it right now, but, but we're going to do something different every month for 12 months. Uh, we're going to have some service projects where we get out in our community and we find physical ways to show our community that we love them, organizations that we love them, needy people that we love them. We're going to have a whole month where we pray and fast for specific people in our community that are unchurched people that you will identify. And we're going to pray for those people. And we're going to fast for those people and, and just pray that they will know that we love them. Uh, we're going to have some high attendance days, see how many people we can bring into our church on a weekend uh, in, in, in worship and in Sunday school and youth ministry and college ministry to show them that we love them. We're going to have a couple of months where every one of us who's willing to do this will, will commit to inviting an unchurched family to their home for dinner one day that month and show that family the love of Christ. Uh, we're going to tour our city in buses and pray for streets and neighborhoods and organizations. We want us, we want to show this community for the sake of Christ, that we love them with the love of Christ. We want to see people saved and baptized, lives changed, families changed, generations changed. Because we don't just love our church, we love our community. I want that to be the new well that we dig in 2019. And so you be thinking, uh, well, you're going to hear a lot about this uh, every Sunday, perhaps, in 2019. But you be thinking, what are some ways that you can show the love of Christ, share the gospel of Christ with the people uh, that are in your neighborhood and the people that are in your workplace? Let's show them that we love our community. Well, very quickly, uh, the, th the third thing we need to do is just to keep digging. Uh, I don't have time to go through this whole thing, but if you go back and just read this passage in Genesis over and over and over, the one thing you'll come away with is just Isaac's tenacity. Uh, he, he dug some old wells. That wasn't enough. So he dug another well. People fussed about it. So he dug another well. People fussed about it. So he dug another well. You know the reason why New Year's resolutions fail so often? It's because we usually think about it as a one-time commitment. And so we commit, I'm never going to have another donut again. That gets us to like Thursday. And then we have a donut and we say, well, listen, that's, I failed at that. It's over. Well, the problem is it was a one-time commitment. You notice that's not how Isaac did this. No, he did well after well after well. You go count them, it's at least six wells here, maybe more that he dug. We need to decide, we're going to read our Bible Listen, it's, it's not a one-time commitment. This is a commitment I will renew every day. I want to show my community I love them. This is a commitment I will renew every day. Because of what Christ has done for us, because we're in Christ, we can, we can have the spiritual revival, the, the waters of joy that, uh, that God wants us to have if we'll just dig some old wells and dig some new ones. Just so your head bowed and eyes closed for a moment. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, that's the most important well you can dig this morning. Jesus has died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can have a relationship with God not based on how we live or how well we keep the rules or how hard we try, but based on what Christ has done. 
If you believe that and you want to surrender your life to Christ this morning, that's where it all starts. That's where you know the water of revival. And so I challenge you, let us help you make that commitment today. The rest of us, let us dig some old wells and some new wells for the glory and honor of the Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.